0: We are living in a world where we are overstressed, overworked, overmedicated, and we're allowing anxiety, fear, and depression to run our lives. It's time we take a different kind of prescription to help remove our pain and get us back to living with the energy, focus, and enthusiasm that we all want to have. Every week, I promise to bring you education, strategies, and deep discussions that will help you become more resilient and eradicate stress-induced depression from your life. My name is Ryan Caliguri and welcome to The Resilience Prescription. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of Create Your Eight as part of the Resilience Prescription. Very very excited to bring you our guest today. Somebody that uh, I read an article of him online and I found his perspective on resilience to be unique and quite aligned with my own. So I wanted to have an opportunity to speak with him and this man's name, Imad Georgie. Imad, how you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing great Been really excited to have this conversation, so uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and just as we were talking before, it's been a long time coming, and uh, you and I have been trying to get together for a little while, and you know, I don't think this is going to be the uh, only conversation that we have on this topic, because as we know, resilience is one of those words that is getting tossed around consistently <laughs> these days. And um, I think it's really important that we, have, we continue to have discussions on this topic of resilience, what is it? How do you build it? Who is resilient, who is not resilient? And Mm. I think as you and I have these discussions and people are able to come into these discussions, we're gonna be able to understand it a lot better. And as we understand it, hopefully be able to live it as well. So before we really get into the interview, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to Resilience Prescription Nation. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and maybe how you came to the topic of resilience.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I run uh, Georgie Technology Consulting. Uh, we are a consulting practice focused on um, helping scale and grow technology teams. And it comes from many years of being a CTO at a number of enterprise brands and startups as well, where over time and through experience, I've developed a playbook on what does it really mean to have a good technology strategy? What does that look like um, really at the ground level? and I've been fortunate enough to lead some fairly large global enterprise turnarounds, um, transformations, all sorts of large sort of technology projects and doing it the right way. And it's allowed me to also um, inject my passion, which is, you know, my passion beyond software development is, you know, I believe my mission on this earth is to grow other leaders. So I invariably get involved with growing leaders in technology and God knows we need that um, in our industry. Um, and so it allows me to not only help my clients scale from a technology perspective, but also from a people perspective as well, and I think resilience-wise, you know, I I grew up in in an immigrant household and watched my parents work their asses off, and um, I've been working in technology since I was a kid. You know, I worked full-time all the way through school, and, um, you know, learned, you know, some of those, you know, blue-collar values that I still Um, uh, espouse. I mean, even now, as accomplished as I am with my career, I wake up every day with a chip on my shoulder wanting to prove myself and wanting to make an impact on the world. And I've been fortunate personally and professionally to be through some fairly difficult experiences, challenging experiences that have built up that resilience muscle. And I do believe it's a muscle. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm about.
0: I agree with that sentiment as well, is that Resilience should be seen as a muscle. If you want to use it as a metaphor and compare it to something, it should be seen as a muscle and something that you have to build. And sometimes yes. it requires you breaking down before you build. Yes. One thing I thought that you mentioned, which was very interesting, was um, you mentioned your parents. And I, I, one thing I will say about resilience is that resilience is a, re- a cumulative buildup of the experiences you have and the lessons that you learn along the way. Some of us. Maybe tell a story that doesn't empower us, doesn't strengthen us, doesn't make us feel smarter. In fact, we tell a very disempowering story. But knowing you and a little bit about your story, your parents played a significant role into your resilience. And I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit more about that with our listeners.
1: Yeah, sure. I appreciate you asking that question and, uh, you know, uh, giving them the spotlight of it because they never pursue the spotlight. But yeah, my parents, uh, you know, they immigrated to this country and I think about my own journey, um, they immigrated when I was a baby, I think about my own journey of like not having that immigration experience, if you will, going to another country when I'm middle aged and fairly established in my own career, and then you know trying to figure it out. Um, and it's it's hard enough, right, for our own journeys here, um, and then for them to come from another country, kind of learn the ropes to work um, and to build up a life. Um, you know, I think at the age of around 11 years old, I want to say. Um, I was kind of interested in computers, you know, know, and at the time, my parents were barely speaking English um, and making it happen, and they bought me an old, beat-up computer, and they didn't know what it was, and I didn't know what it was, (laughs) and, um, you know, kind of locked myself in a room and uh, for a week, literally trying to figure it out, you know, trial and error, um, and, but by the end of that week, I came out coding my first game, and I just, I mean, it was resolved, like, this is what I want to do forever. So, um, you know, if it wasn't for their sacrifices and also their belief in me, and, um, you know, they never really let my sister and I feel the pains of what they went through, you know, financially, looking back, you know, as now I know, we have very real conversations now. Um, I, never, I never was felt the struggle, but definitely participated in working hard and supporting the household. Um, so yeah, I owe them everything. Significant role, not
0: our parents, the parents in general play a significant role in the development of a child's resilience. And sometimes it's through creating adversity. Sometimes it's through giving them the troubles to, to overcome. Sometimes it's giving them the opportunity, the lessons, the philosophies, and the role that parents play in developing their children's resilience is great. And knowing that is half the battle, knowing that you contribute to your child's resilience is very important. And the thing that I believe the generation, uh, our parents' generation, my parents' parents' generation, they lived a very, they lived a life that required them to be resilient because there was so much adversity. There was so much hardship, especially for newcomers. Um, my parents were newcomers from a different perspective and that they were children. So very similar to you where they, you know, didn't really have a choice. They followed their parents and their parents took on the brunt of those stresses. But when I think about my grandparents, my nonnu and my nonna, um, coming from Yerina, Italy, moving to Buenos Aires, moving to, to, to Canada, learning different languages along the way, trying to figure out how to make life work from Europe to South America to, you know, cold Canada. That's That takes a tremendous amount of positive adaptation, which we can really attribute to uh, resilience. Oh, yeah. Resilience can be seen as a number of different things, and people can define resilience as a number of things. Perhaps maybe one of the most common that we hear is bouncing back, how yeah. we hear about people bouncing back. I would love for you to share with the listeners your definition of resilience or how you see it because resilience like I said it's it's very complicated because there's more than eight different definitions last I counted there was about nine or ten different definitions of resilience and so for me I I look at this as let's try to make more sense of it um, by understanding people who think about this a lot people who obsess about it let's hear different definitions and perhaps one of them sticks so I'd love to hear your perspective on that my friend
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I appreciate the question. Yeah, I think um, resilience is, you know, for me, the definition is a bit of a paradox. Um, On the one end, it's the courage to uh, meet the demands of reality. So I think that, you know, we're in a world where there's a lot of energy and time spent on escape, escape from reality, escape from the pain of reality. Um, and, you know, we, th- there's all sorts of ways in that category that we can talk through. But resilience is really about first and foremost, facing the truth of where you are at that given time, whether it's a work situation or personal situation or whatever it is, and not necessarily judging it, just looking at it almost like a, an engineer, right? And saying, all right, well, this is what it is. So what are we going to do about it? Um, so there's, there's this aspect of acceptance of reality. I think the paradox comes in in that once you do that, there's also the aspect of, I also do not accept this reality for my future. And so part of it is um, also having a vision for the future and hanging on to that. Um, uh, and it's a, the vision, the source of that vision, the inspiration behind that vision really has to be within you because you could be in a position where nobody else believes in that vision. And then what do you do? And, and the two have to balance. Um, if all, all I have is vision without a sense of reality, I'm an idealist and I'm not realistic and I'm not going to get anything done. I'm not going to accomplish my, my, uh, my vision. And on the other end, if I'm just a total realist, I just keep facing reality, I don't go anywhere with it. Well, what's the vision to move forward, right? So I think both have to do with the definition and both have to be in balance um, for resilience to occur. How you look at resilience by the way as a ceo
0: of a company running your own company a uh, technology company it requires you to have an understanding of resilience because there's a lot of business owners out there who maybe are a little too optimistic and if you're a little too yeah. optimistic you're something called delusional where you're not looking at reality the way it is uh, but then you have the other side of the spectrum where maybe you're looking at things a little bit more pessimistically and i find that people on the other side of the spectrum might call themselves realists and I, I don't necessarily see them as realists. I think, you know, playing devil's advocate and being a pessimist isn't necessarily being a realist. Being a realist would put yourself in the middle of that spectrum. You want to move a little bit more to the right of that of center and make you more of the realistic optimist. Um, that is where I believe the sweet spot really lies for people who are resilient. And that's a very important quality to develop as a leader in an organization, as a CEO, as a manager, in teaching you know your junior managers to come up to learn to be realistic optimists not to be delusional not to be overly pessimistic but to be optimistic about yeah. the
1: future and about what you're doing it's a great point and it's such a tricky balance and you know in dealing with a lot of techies you know uh, with my clients you get both extremes right you get people that have been part of a company for some amount of time and have been burned in multiple ways and so the way to survive is to keep your head down and not believe in a vision um, and sort of, you know, close that window of hope. And so with, with folks like that, it's really about building trust and, you know, having them open that window once again and building trust at a ground level. And then you have folks that are very optimistic, like, you know, no matter the amount of work that's being proposed to them. Oh yeah, I could do that tomorrow. Oh, I could do that in a week, no problem. And then they end up, you know, not delivering anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, It's fun to, I mean, my definition of fun, um, to deal with both extremes and kind of bring them back to to center.
0: So as you lead your organization, um, you are a part of your mission, a part of your job as the leader is to, whether it's written in stone or not, it's to help build resilience in your team, Um, help them grow in the organization as resilient contributing members of that team. Yes. So how do you do that? Because you made a very interesting point that I couldn't wait to discuss with you on. And you said that we should not get caught up studying resilience, <laughs> not get caught up studying it. And I, I like it in the fact that, yes, don't study it, but we have to study it at some point in mind. We have to study it. So bring some more light to that and let me know what you feel about that, what's your perspective on that?
1: I love this question. I can go on and on. So you're going to need to stop me. Uh, (laughs) Perfect. So first of all, just a little explanation behind what I'm about to say. Um, You know, I grew up with blue collar values. Like for me, you know, my dad worked on trains on the Southern Pacific Railroad. My mom was a hard worker as well um, at a number of banks. And, um, you know, I grew up with the way to learn, even though I was a voracious reader, don't get me wrong. The ultimate way to learn is through experience, um, and kind of getting your hands dirty. And I still believe that. So I, I think that's where it's coming from. I mean, in my in my career, as an example, you know, when I'm sitting around the table with um, technologists, you know, I'm, we're sitting around. and I say, look, opinions don't matter. I mean, did you try it? Can you show it to us? Because as an engineer, that's what we do. Um, we're not, you know, the companies relying on us to vet these things out, not to discuss opinions and solutions, uh, sorry, and, you know, articles and whatnot. So I think that um, resilience is about doing it. And it's about getting into situations that test your resilience, putting teams in those situations, putting yourself in those situations, um, seeking those situations out, you know. Um, And for me, that's the way to study it. So read all you want, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what happens is when we have meeting after meeting, and you know, all of our, the ratio of our time is spent mentally talking about resilience, resilience is not going to occur. Uh, we'll just become professors of resilience. Um, I wanna be resilient. And the only way to do that is through experience. Must apply, willing is not enough we must do. And
0: that is, you coined it so perfectly, we will become professors of resilience. We will know a lot about it, but are we truly resilient? Knowing about it and speaking about it is one thing, being about it is another. And the only way, and and I agree, and I think it's a balance, as do you. I think you and I are in complete agreement, which is, yes, study it, understand it, understand what it it takes to be resilient. Have conversations about it. That's what you and I are doing right now, and that's what people who are going to listen to this show, people who listen to this show are doing. They want to understand aspects of resilience. They want to learn about it. But please, don't get it mistaken. You're not going to become resilient by learning strictly about it. You have to act. You have to create challenges for yourself. You have to face adversity, overcome it. You have to put your philosophies to the test and see how they work for you. That's, That's right. how you're going to build resilience. Resilience, that muscle is not built. And to come back to what you said at the very beginning of this interview, I can read all the muscle mags and you know read about kettlebell That's workouts right. as much as I want. My muscles aren't gonna grow, baby. That six pack abs set that I want, it's not gonna come <laughs> if I just keep reading about it. I gotta get myself into the gym. That's so right. that is such an important point. So for yeah, people and, who are listening, oh please go ahead man please.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to add that you know, and a big part of it too is like, you know, almost you know, espousing a culture. I'm certainly wired this way where you you seek it out. Like, give me those challenges. I eat problems for breakfast. Like, you know, you almost have like a swagger to you. Like, bring it on. Like, and I I I kind of don't understand when people don't have that mentality. Like, when I see things like that, I'm like another chance to prove myself, Like I want the ball fourth quarter, last second shot. I want the ball every time. And, you know, that's when you grow and you're not going to make every shot, you know, it's, you're going to fail. It's going to happen, but, you know, creating a culture and the way it translates in a company is that as a leader, I'm actually optimizing the value that we're getting out of our people because I'm building that resilience muscle within the team as well.
0: And it's funny that you said that one thing there. You, you mentioned it and I got to bring it up. It's funny, create a little bit of controversy. When you said bring it on. It's funny you said that because I said the exact same thing when I got COVID-19. When I, uh, when I, when I ended up getting it, it's funny, I did this video about two weeks ago and a whole bunch of people thought I was nuts, but this is exactly <laughs> how I responded to all my friends and family. I got back from my trip from Cabo, or from, from Cabo and uh, I had all the symptoms. And so I did the test and I was waiting for the test. And my friends and family were like, what happens? What if, what if you get it? What if you get it? What, what, what are you going to do? What's going to happen? And I just kind of responded with, if I have it, I have it. Like, bring it on, baby. It's cool. right. If I have it, I'm going to take it on. And I'm going to beat it. And people started to think of me as, as like a crazy person. <laughs> like, why, why would you say that? I said, what's the alternative? Me sitting here in fear? Me sitting here wondering what's going to happen? No, I said, bring it on. Because when I get it, I'm going to be able to learn about it. I'm going to, be able to talk about it. I'm going to understand it. And me overcoming it, man, I'm going to have the antibodies. This is going to be a good thing for me. So bring it on. And people ask me, why did you approach COVID-19 like that? The reason for that is that this is a small little battle that I'm going to face. It's going to build up my self-belief. I got it. It kicked my butt. I overcame it. That's how you build resilience. Facing adversity with a smile, going through it, finding lessons through the adversity and making yourself stronger, adding to the story of Ryan Calajuri, adding to the story of Ahmad Georgi, adding to the story of Jane or John Smith to make you a stronger, more intelligent, more confident person. Um, that to me is what resilience is all about that bring it on mentality man and you know you you used a basketball reference i don't know if you watched the jordan documentary on netflix but talk about a man who faced a tremendous amount of adversity and overcame it put himself in the arena every single time and every single time had a short memory and said listen i missed the last shot but i'm gonna take this shot still you know it was a man who constantly worked at it so this discussion about how you build resilience a lot of the times just embracing problems. Like you said, you eat problems for breakfast, man. And that to me is something that's, that's developed over time. And I know that people listening to this might not have that kind of mentality, but as you start to take on problems, as you start to surround yourself with people such as, you know, in a um, you will start to look at problems the same way as well. Yeah. So yeah. for, for people, for, for people who are listening to this Ahmad, do you have a, tip or a technique or something that worked for you that helped you kind of adopt that mentality where listen i, I don't shrink to, to the size of my problems i'm bigger than my problems what did you do to develop that kind of mentality man
1: yeah that's a great question i don't know that there is any one thing you know i actually had a ceo of one of my clients actually say if you could productize the way you build trust you would you would do great <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know part of that is the resilience factor i think There are a couple things that come to mind. I mean, one is that you got to have that steely-eyed vision, right, that is sort of unscathed by others. And um, and to do that, you really have to put in the work for yourself on a daily basis. So I need some sort of anchor within me uh, because if I'm reliant on what other people say, then every day is going to just be wildly different. Um, And I won't make, you know, deliberate progress against the vision. So I think a part of it is just working on yourself and understanding, maybe, you know, reframing things. So just because something happens, a circumstance uh, issue, a challenge, really taking a step back and reframing it to maybe it's not the way I'm interpreting it maybe this is an opportunity and at least just asking the question is a good start. I'm not saying, hey, look at everything as a positive and you know it's going to build your resilience, but at least doubting yourself in that way of like maybe this is something that is an opportunity for me to grow. Um, I think that's that's a big one, you know, is that that reframing. Um, I, I think the other thing is also getting feedback um, and not being afraid of feedback. Um, from multiple sources, because, again, you don't want to go one extreme or the other. You don't want to be the idealist and you don't want to be the pessimistic, you know, person that never gets anything done. Um, So having folks that are straight with you, real with you um, along the way, I think, is important, too.
0: Completely agree. That feedback piece is so important in in organizations. To take a page out of Patrick Lencioni's book, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, At the base of the, and for people who have listened to this podcast for a while, go back into the annals of uh, the Cut the Crap Show and listen to that episode again uh, with Patrick. But at the base of his pyramid, you have trust. And when you have trust, you can have healthy conflict. And healthy conflict is important in all organizations and families and communities to take feedback, to listen to it, to understand the perspective of others. Um, to have your own opinions and your own beliefs challenged, yeah. yep. that's important, man. That's hard. And so seeking out feedback, I think, is a really good tip that everybody can do right away. Asking for feedback is really important because you know what? You're probably going to hear some things that you're not going to like. And learning to take those on and say, "Ooh, like that hurt my ego. But I can do something with that. You know, or maybe you can't do something with that. Maybe it's just a matter of, okay, now I didn't like what that person said. I don't agree with them. But how do I make sense of that in my mind? How do I not allow that to, to, um, to make me bitter, to yeah. jade me? You know, like that's for me. Whenever I put out content, I always read the comments. People say, don't read the comments. Don't read the comments because it's just a whole bunch of trolls in the comment sections. So, and well, for the most part, that might be true. But at the same time, I believe that there's something that I can learn from everybody because at the end of the day, everybody, whether it's my man, and mad Georgie, whether it's my mom, my dad, you know, somebody in the comments section, at the end of the day, everybody is a teacher, a potential yes. teacher. I love that. And yeah. So I mean, we that. can learn anything, man. You can really learn anything from anybody. So seek out that feedback. It's a great
1: tip. I love I love all of that, Ryan. I totally agree with it, and I think the underlying principle there is one about you know that I believe in is is this constant practice of uh, emptying yourself and you know uh, Bruce Lee, not many people know Bruce Lee was a, a great philosopher, and he talks a lot about how you empty yourself, you know uh, creating space for you know, getting rid of the assumptions, getting rid of, oh, I put that person in a particular box or this situation. I, I already have it defined. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes you don't want to let go of the assumptions you have about people. Right. And it's this daily practice of, no, like I'm going to empty myself and see if I'm open in there's space, what can I learn? What can I uncover? Um, as he said, so, you know, I think that's a really important trait of the Bruce Lee reference and I
0: referenced a quote that
1: uh, he believed in and
0: used quite a bit and I actually as I was younger had two posters. I don't know why I had two. I had two of the exact same poster on my wall one on each corner. Knowing is not enough we must apply. Willing is not enough we must do and uh, I still live my life towards that and the philosophy uh, that Bruce Lee shared uh, I still carry with me today obviously as I shared it today Uh, but Imad I'm telling you man this is a great conversation. You and I are not done. I got to get you back on the show to continue discussing this very important topic because again i appreciate your perspective and i know there's so many different areas of resilience that you and i have yet to dig into but we absolutely will in future interviews but before i let you go how can people connect with you online and uh, read a little bit more about what you're doing
1: yeah sure you can uh, uh, get me on linkedin and all my materials are out there as well as some of the articles i've written as well Um, so that's the best way to connect with me
0: when listening to this i will put uh, Imad's article that, uh, caught my attention in the show notes as well as his LinkedIn. And I would encourage you to go out and uh, connect to him, but Imad, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Greatly uh, appreciate your time.
1: Yeah. Thanks Ryan. It's been a great, uh, uh, talk and I'm looking forward to
0: more.